Hi there, and welcome to Down the Lane With. Today, I'm talking with Mick Cairns, founder of the charity A Veteran's Best Friend. As a former Royal Marine living with PTSD, Mick has first-hand knowledge of the mental stress veterans can find themselves facing. Where Mick's story is a little different is that he found support from his dog Sam. This led him to look into the benefits animals can have for people living with stress, and ultimately to him forming a veteran's best friend. Although currently without a physical premises, Linton Lane is hoping to host this charity as soon as regulations make this possible. Mick, thanks for coming along today and thanks for being our first one back after our break. So could you begin by telling me a a bit about your background and what led to setting this charity up? Well, I'm a veteran myself and like obviously helping veterans is is a passion of mine. It's something I wanted to get into to help people that have gone through similar experiences that I've went through. So basically back in, it would have been October 2019, I was diagnosed with PTSD and I got signed off from work in February 2019 with anxiety and depression. And it was a reaction that my dog gave to me that day when I when I went to the doctors, eventually got went to get the help. It's what got me interested in learning more about dogs and what dogs can do for people's mental health. So I couldn't take it anymore. I was in front of the doctors, doctor signed me off, went home. And I went into the house and my dog Sam, rescue dog Sam, just looked at me in a way I'd, I'd never really seen him look at me before. So if you've got a dog, uh, like sometimes they'll, they'll move their heads to their side when they're trying to understand what you're saying to them. Well, I was he was doing that with me and I wasn't saying anything. Uh, he kept putting his head to the side, one side to the other, trying to figure out what was going on with me. And then he started jumping on me. And he never usually jumps on me when I come in the house. He usually would just come up and get a pat and, and then just walk away, just to acknowledge I'm there. But that day he just kept sort of jumping on me. I went to sit on the couch and then he just kept pawing at me. He wouldn't sort of leave my side. So he realised that something wasn't right with me. So I decided I wanted to learn a wee bit more about what dogs could do for people's mental health. Uh, I eventually uh, volunteered for a charity over on the West Coast, West Coast sorry, called Bravehound. And they do something similar to what I'm trying to achieve is using dogs to help veterans in mental health. Mainly tends to be PTSD. So I went there and I done a, a PTSD assistance dog training course. Le- I learned a lot more about what dogs could do for people's mental health. What I realised when I was on the course is uh, the sense of the, the stress hormone that comes off you, comes off of your yourself when you're stressed, when you're, like when adrenaline's pumping, fight or flight sort of situation, you release a stress hormone called cortisol, and the dogs can pick that up and they can sense that, and that's what Sam was reacting to that day, and then obviously that's why dogs can be good to help people's mental health. So once they're trained to give a reaction to that, that stress hormone releasing the body. How have you found going about setting up a charity? I'm, I'm assuming it's the first time that you've done this. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I found it difficult at first. I mean, I got I got the charity status quite quickly. I mean, it was like 10 days I got the charity status, so I was re- really happy with that. I found it difficult looking for funding opportunities because a lot of them are looking for 12 months experience and 12 months financial history, which is obviously we don't have because we just set up in September last year. And uh, like obviously that's a problem because we need funding in order to like train the dogs and, and you know and and 
obviously have a centre eventually, do you know? But that's the main problem I've had, is just people not sort of willing to take a chance on us and that. But I know it's their policies and procedures, they need a bit of, they need that, obviously, the 12 months experience and 12 months forecast, and that's the policies and procedures, but I've found it hard to find funders that will actually fund us that don't have that criteria, so it's really hard, which I find frustrating because we need money in order to grow, do you know? We're getting there, do you know? Uh, I mean, we've raised a bit of money and uh, i done a charity fundraising event where I raised 1,700 where i done the 30-mile speed march, which we do in the Marines in our last commando test. We do 30 miles with 40 pounds in our back. Done that around Loch Leaven and the uh, local the Midis or the local medals. It was uh, a bit emotional, to be honest with you, because I couldn't walk for days afterwards. But I got it done and I raised the money. Got a lot of support from that. Uh, we done a Christmas challenge, uh, over the, obviously, just before the Christmas period. 24 uh, press-ups a day for 24 days leading up to Christmas. Uh, we raised over 2500 for that as well. So we're not sitting on our laurels, you know. We're, not, you know, we're still getting out there and we're just trying to get as much exposure as we can right now. I think exposure is what we're trying to achieve at the moment. The more exposure we get, the more people may be likely to give us money and fund us, you know. And how many people do you have on your team so far? Since September, we've grown quite considerably. And we've took on some good trustees as well. So when I first started out, it was just me, two other guys, and I was one of the trustees. And it was just really to get that application through for charity status. And then once I got the charity status, I was trying to do it with another two guys. One of them couldn't really commit because he was too busy with his work. The other guy, he's actually on the trustee board of another charity as well. Try to do it all ourselves is quite hard. So I eventually decided to just start advertising for trustees, role-specific trustees. So we've took on like a bookkeeper as a, a treasurer. We've got a vet, got a mental health nurse. We've got uh, obviously the guy that's a trustee for another charity called Favour Drug and Alcohol Addiction. We've got a secretary, used to be a secretary for another charity. And we've got a girl that's really good at networking and we've took her on as well. So, I mean, we're, we're really, you know, we've got a good, We've got a good uh, governance, we've got good, like, yeah, committee, you know, we just, like I say, we just need the sort of funding at the moment, you know, which we're finding difficult, but uh, I'm sure we'll get there, you know, I'm sure we'll get there. What exactly are the benefits that can be brought about for veterans through the contact with the dogs? Sometimes with people with PTSD, they've got this thing called a disassociation event. So they could be sitting in a room, people are talking to them, people are walking about, they're not not taking any of it in. They're like, they're totally zoned out basically and they're back in that traumatic event, whatever happened to them, wherever it may be. And the dog could be trained to come up, nudge them or put their head in their lap to get them out of that situation. And, And what Sam, having Sam there for me, what he does for me, I want to give that to other people, you know, uh, So uh, in a more sort of controlled and trained manner. So the dogs will eventually be trained to react to free or have free behaviours they're trained to do, basically. So it could be anything from, like I said before, nudging them, putting their head in a lap to get them out of disassociation event, even getting medication, things like that, just like you do for a physical disability and things like blocking where some uh, people that, that don't like to be in crowds having that dog to just be a, like a barrier between them and other people that could be something that they could be trained up to do as well so i know i keep talking about ptsd but it, it's, it's, you know not liking crowds and stuff like that but 
some people with bad anxiety don't like crowds either. It's not always, always about PTSD, but some of them they avoid going into shops. It really, really stresses them out to the point they just can't go into a shop. Don't like getting on public transport, things like that. But but by having that dog with them, get some doing that because the dogs are trained up to be service dogs, if you like assistance dogs, sorry, and. You know, eventually when they're fully trained, they'll be able to take these dogs in and out of shops, in and out of restaurants, in and out of public transport, you know. Uh, and things like that, they would never have done before they had the dogs, you know what I mean? One of my close friends that was in the Marines with me, he's down south, and he's just got a service dog, UK dog. And he he went from trying to commit suicide last year, his marriage fell down, to now... He's got a six-month-old puppy, and he says it's completely changed his life, and he's like he's sleeping better. He had a problem with sleeping; now he's sleeping better. Honestly, it's, it's, it, they change their, their life like tenfold. I mean, I've heard of cases where the dogs would wake the owners up from nightmares and stuff like that as well. You know, they do that without even being trained. So the dogs you plan to use are all rescue dogs and exclusively rescue dogs. What made you decide to only use them? Well, the reason I went for rescue dogs, well, Sam's a rescue dog, and I know what he's done for me. I believe there's a lot of good dogs out there in rescue centres that can do the job as well. Why not give them a home than pay a thousand-odd pound? Some people pay ridiculous prices for puppies now, you know. And to be honest, you don't know actually know that puppy is going to actually make the grade. And it sounds bad, you know, make the grade. That sounds really strict. And, do you know what I mean? But there is generally dogs out there that just won't be good assistance dogs, you know. Whereas if you're going for an adult rescue dog, you know, you're going to get a quite a good idea when you go and meet them and, and see, you know, what they're like as an adult if they're going to be suitable for that type of work, you know. And plus, people have got this misconception that all the dogs in rescue centres are broken. And there's a, a lot of the time, it's not just they're getting put in there because of behavioural problems or whatever, such like, it's because the owners can't keep them anymore or can't afford them they deserve a second chance there's other charities out there doing the same down south service dogs uk similar ch- charity they've been using rescue dogs for since their inception support dogs uk which they do epilepsy things like that they use rescue dogs as well so it's definitely they need a home and they can be just as cap- capable as as any other dog so why is the charity specifically for veterans it's mainly because what I noticed in my time volunteering at Bravehound is a lot of the time veterans just like to speak to veterans. And it's, it sounds sort of bad, but it's just it's just the way it is. When I walked into Bravehound, literally the first day I walked in, I spoke to a guy, uh, he had really complex PTSD, and, and he said to me, as blatant as you like, that I, would, I wouldn't speak to you if you were a civilian. Just the way his mind was working. Since he left the forces, he had a really hard time. I believe he was homeless at one point. And I just feel he thought he was uh, had a hard time it, and I think it's just sort of through his own mind and, and the struggles he was going through, sort of blame society, like civilian society, if you like. And if there wasn't something like what I'm offering, because eventually we want to have a hub as well that the guys can come and chill out and and obviously be around like-minded individuals, he wouldn't go and get help. And I've always said if I can help one person, I've achieved my goal. But anything above that, it's a bonus, you know. So. I think there's a need for it, because like you say, that guy wouldn't go and get help if it, if it wasn't something like that about, you know, just like any other, there's, you've got your women's aid, you've got your Pete's Man's chat movement, things like that, there's a need for it, you know, because these people wouldn't go to these clubs if 
they weren't for that specific group, you know. So uh, I think there's a place for all these clubs, you know. It shouldn't be like that, but it's just the way it is. I read something about a virtual drop-in centre that you're running just now, because obviously you have, well, we all have a bit of a problem with coming together in rooms at the moment. So is this still running? Yeah, we've still got a virtual hub going on every Monday. Basically, you can book it via the, our website and you just book on it. And you, once you're booked on it, I send out a, a Zoom link. It's definitely helped me in the past. When I left the Marines last year, having a bit of a downtime, you're going from a job where you, you, it's secure. You know you're going to get paid every month. You've got that sort of brotherhood, if you like. You've had it for the last 17 years. It's something you've been used to. And then you're going for that to, you don't know, if, if you got, you're going to have a job or that, you know, because I went in to, to be a courier when I left and if there was no work on you, they wouldn't get you in and then you're not getting paid, you know. So I was struggling with that, you know. And then there was, it was the first virtual hub after I left the Marines and I thought, I, I really was in a bad place and I didn't really want to go. But see, once I went, I felt really good about it afterwards because I think it's so easy to get into that bubble where you think the world's against you and it's, the world's a horrible place just to you, you know. And the world, life isn't fair, but when you go to these hubs and you go to these drop-in centres, you realise that there's people that have been through the same as you. And, and when I went to that hub that night, the, a lot of the veterans were like, oh, we, yeah, it was like that for us, it'll get better, you know, and you know, we're here for you and all that, you know, and I think it really helps, you know. So once you have your charity up and running, is there anything else you would like to see added to it in the future? Eventually, you know, once we get into a centre, you know, we're going to have the hub there and we're going to have the dog training for the actual uh, service users. But eventually we want to open up dog training to the general public using our dog trainers, charge the public, but the money goes straight back into the charity. And also uh, I'm a mental health first aid instructor as well. And eventually I want to provide that service charge the public and it goes back into the charity so it's a way of raising funds for the charity but also I think it's important as well it's a passion of mine because I still think there's that stigma out there I definitely received a bit of it myself when I was leaving the Marines from a higher ranking officer believe it or not and I think by me providing that service and, and, and to the local community help spread the good word that we all need to look after our mental health you know it's just as important as your, as your physical health so in the mental health first aid courses it's not just teaching you to watch out for the for someone else struggling or help them that's struggling help them get the, the proper help it's also about looking after your own mental health as well you know it teaches you how to look after your own mental health yeah and like i say it spreads a good word you know so yeah that's eventually down the line i'd like to offer that as well Okay, well, thanks very much for coming along, Mick, and good luck with uh, with getting your charity off the ground. Thank you very much. Aye. Cheers. Thank you. You can find out more about A Veteran's Best Friend by visiting their website at aveteransbestfriend.co.uk or by visiting their Facebook page. Down the Lane With was presented by Michael McLaren. It was created by Marion McPherson and was a Jacket Pocket Media production for the Linton Lane Centre.